I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. We are back with WNBA stocks, where Owen Pence and I check the market in the W as of today, July 4th. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com if you're looking to get tickets for the current WNBA season look no further thanks to our sponsors tick pick you don't have to worry the original no fee ticketing site and official ticketing partner of the WNBA champion chicago sky Use the link T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com backslash Winsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA, NFL, NBA, or any other event. That's TickPick.com backslash Winsider. We're back with WNBA Stocks where we check the pulse on the market. Today is July 4th, so we have a special episode for you. Let me do a real quick recap of what we've seen over the last three weeks and where we've seen the teams move from there. Three weeks ago, we had New York and Seattle as our up team, and Dallas and Atlanta as our down team. Two weeks ago, Chicago and Minnesota up, and Phoenix and Las Vegas down. And last week, New York and LA up, and Indiana and Seattle down. And this week, we're going to start it with our up teams, a little positive note. We'll let Owen go first. Owen, who's your up team this week? All right, I'm excited to get into it this week. I I was watching... You know, I watched all four games yesterday, and uh, and this was the team that I really was I was rearing to go this morning. Just excited to talk about the Atlanta Dream. Stock is is up, definitively up, um, and the vibes are great in Atlanta. So here's the thing: like, just to do a little recap, um, if you haven't been you know following the season closely, right? We come into the season. And Atlanta is expected to be in pure rebuilding mode. They they had the number one pick in this year's draft. They traded for it and selected Ryan Howard, who who is proving to be a a, a star immediately. But uh, no one expected Atlanta to contend this year. I think most of us. Uh, shout out to B Terrell, who may have been the one person who had had the faith out there. But uh, but for the most part, everyone expected the dream to be in the lottery again. And that would be fine. They start the season under new head coach Tanisha Wright with with a truly historically good defense to start the season. And due to this stifling defense, they they win a lot of games at the start of the season. And all of a sudden, they're, they're in the playoff picture. And then the offensive woes become a, a, a greater and greater problem. And they start to fall and they start to lose games. And we say, okay, this is this is kind of what we expected from this bunch, right? They're showing development, but this is not a team that's really going to be that good in the here and now. And lo and behold, this week, things really shifted. And I think that the major reason why is that they gained, well, they gained two pieces back, but one in, in particular, Tiffany Hayes returns and really makes everything fall into place for this group. Um, 
she she comes back and completely changes the way this offense is able to operate because there was just too much pressure on on Ryan to to carry the entire load as a rookie and she was doing quite an admirable job but Atlanta's last in the league in offense they're still last in the league in offense as of today recording this podcast but what we've seen over the last two games and this is really what I want to get into here is the the race for these last you know three playoff spots is going to be really intense, right? The top five is pretty definitive right now. Uh, you know, I'm not sure the exact order we stand right now, but Chicago, Connecticut, Las Vegas, Seattle, Washington are the top five. Those are playoff locks. The last three spots are entirely up for grabs, and basically everyone but Indiana is a contender. So you got six teams for three spots. And so any game in which any of these six teams are playing one another is going to be incredibly important for for the playoff race. So Atlanta was actually my stock watch when we recorded uh, last Monday. And they were my stock watch because they had some of those games on the schedule this past week where they were going up against teams kind of in their tier contending for six, seven, and eight in in the playoff race. So Thursday night in New York, one of the contenders for best game of the season. I mean, it was electric. It was one of the best crowds that Barclays has had this year, maybe the best. Um, and and the other person who who came back and has really clicked things into place for this team is Erica Wheeler, who never gets enough credit, but it is one of the main reasons why this defense has been so good this year. Um, she was she was just giving Sabrina some serious issues. And, and what I love about this team is now that Tiffany Hayes is here to kind of make the offense click into place a little bit and be that that go-to scorer that now some of these other players uh, can kind of settle in to tertiary roles, if you will, and are just killing it in those roles. So a, a few names I want to mention, Christy Wallace, playing awesome defense on the perimeter, knocking down threes. AD, who, you know, really was not able to gain any sort of rhythm in New York. They get traded to the dream and have really been killing it off the bench, just knocking down over 40% of threes since getting to Atlanta. Nas Hillman, a steal of the draft, not playing a ton of minutes, but playing really good minutes off the bench. Kia Vaughn is someone who has just been a been kind of an amazing WNBA vet for a long time, it feels like now playing really solid minutes. And then you've got, you know, the more key pieces that we talk about a lot. Ari McDonald, one of my favorite players in this league, just an incredible defender for her size at the guard position and really, you know, starting to find her groove offensively. And and Cheyenne Parker, who is someone who played exceptionally well in the bubble in 2020 for Chicago. And then last year, had a had a child and uh you know played a little bit but obviously was not you know her her full self on the court and is is just uh has been dynamic frankly and so on Thursday night they beat the Liberty in an amazing game that goes to overtime Erica Wheeler with a, a legendary buzzer beating three to send it to overtime and then they just you know they kicked stomped New York right out of the building in overtime and then they travel back home and yesterday just demolished the Seattle Storm, not even a competitive game, starters not playing the fourth quarter. 
So some huge wins for Atlanta in the playoff race. And even though their defense has actually fallen to third in the league and they're still 12th in offense, they just really feel like a team that's hitting its stride right now and really just has some exceptionally fun players to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Atlanta is a extremely interesting team to talk about on many fronts. I think you put it perfectly. I'm just going to reword what you said a little bit. Having, having, um, having their team back together, and 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 when I say team back together, like Hayes is like is their superstar, right? Like, yes, you you drafted a rookie and whatever, but like you still have to have that vet who is the superstar who's kind of guiding that new wave of this franchise. And that's why I love that Tiff Hayes is still on this team. But when she comes back and you have this roster, I don't want to say like complete fine for this year, it's complete, whatever. When you, obviously they went through some injuries, fine. But when everybody can fall into place of what their role is supposed to be, it's less about, you know, asking Ari to make a couple more shots. It's less about asking this player because when you're missing a, a star of Hayes's caliber, um, and I think she's one of the most underrated stars in the league these days. I mean, that she's been criminally forgotten from so many important lists throughout her career. Um, but when you when you bring her back and now everybody can have a little bit more calm, right? Like you have that vet superstar presence. Yes, they have some vets on the team. Yes, they have some young superstars. But to have that vet superstar and kind of, have the calm, right? And understand that now you're like, I have to imagine coming into the season with who this roster is. A lot of people were told, this is what your role is going to be. And then with injuries, um, you start to change those things, right? You, you say, Oh, this player's out. We need you to step up and be a little more focused on X, Y, and Z. And what we've seen is this dream team kind of trying to stay afloat until this point. And now that they got Hayes back and now that, you know, Wheeler's healthy, this team's a scary team. Now, long-term, are there questions of if it would be better for this team to do worse and get a better, higher draft pick? Um, probably, arguably, fine. That's a whole different episode. But right now, the point is the stock is up because this Atlanta Dream Team is still playing good defense, and now their offense is coming together. Um, they're really starting uh, to hit their stride, like you said. And honestly, like, they... This is going to be a weird comparison, but when you look at the LA Sparks of last year, where they took a bunch of players who kind of not wanted to prove it, but had to prove it in a sense, right? Like a lot of players who were on teams and were second, third star, whatever it was. Um, a lot of players who weren't on good teams were producing good numbers and you brought them together in LA and it was like, okay, prove it, show it. And then what happens is, well, at least in my opinion, we're looking at Atlanta in a very similar sense, but they're being more successful. We're looking at this Atlanta team full of players who need to prove it, prove themselves um, and not just prove themselves for this season, but for the for the longevity of their career. I think this is a great opportunity and we're seeing a lot of players truly step up um, and 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 embrace that role, because I think a lot of times. You know, going into the season, you look at players and you go, oh, this player is poised to have a breakout season. This this player, you know, they, they were really good in this situation, but now they're on a better team or blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of just flops. But this is an inspiring story in my mind with the Atlanta Dream of kind of, yes, hitting expectations. But still, I, I would say even if they're hitting our expectations, they've still exceeded them. And the fact that they're not sitting uh, bottom two, bottom three in the league, 
and they're actually in a playoff hunt has to be a positive sign. So stock up uh, for the Atlanta Dream. The other team, which is funny because the Atlanta Dream kind of started the season with this, you know, just stingy, rude, mean, intense defense, right? And you were talking about it. Now they've dropped a third, but still a really, really good defense. My team, my stock up team is the Minnesota Lynx. They're no longer in last place. They finally pushed their way uh, past the fever and kind of climbing out of the depths of the W. And the thing that's impressed me most with this team is when they started off the season, their defense was just, you know, horrendous. It, uh, it, like it was, I was going to make a, a joke of this is a team full of Diana Taurasi's on defense, but I didn't make it. Well, didn't make it. <laughs> you, said, <laughs> um, you said it, not me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but four and two in their last six games, their offense has been great scoring 80 plus since June 14th. So, I mean, they're pretty close to going a whole month with only scoring 80 plus, which is a great sign for this offense that has gone kind of stagnant. But but the the thing about this team that's impressed me is the defense. You know, every game we watched um, and, and for the last two seasons, I feel like I've heard quotes from Cheryl Reeves saying like, oh, we're not going to be that great of a defensive team or, you know, I can't do defense for them or blah, blah, blah. I can't draw up a defensive scheme that, you know, will get effort or stuff like that L- lines that. I assume we're either trying to taper expectations from the fans or to challenge the players because being a coach is such a a mental game of finding ways to inspire the team. But the impressive thing about this team is, look, this is the Minnesota Lynx team that we expected coming into the season. Now, there's been some slight shifts, but the Mo Jeff, I mean, Mo Jeff is playing out of her mind. Um, just to to throw you under the bus, Owen, I believe you had a comment like, who's the best point guard in the league right now, Mo Jeff or Vandersloot? And like, while obviously I assume you said that in jest, I do feel that like, look, Mo Jeff is playing good defense. She's orchestrating and running an offense. She's hitting big time shots and she's doing it in a timely manner. And while, you know, we can go back and do revisionist history of how, but, uh, how this team would be, where this team would be, if Leisha Clarendon was on this team throughout the whole season, as opposed to a, you know, late training camp scratch. But looking at this team and the offensive threat that Mo Jeff brings, you have to, at least in my mind, think they're better off served right now. Now, is this team a championship contender right now? No. Have they started to climb out of the depths? Yes. And that's exactly what a stock up team is. Obviously, I'm a little biased coming from Minnesota, but the way some of these players are playing and the fact that arguably their second best player um, in Nafisa Collier still hasn't touched the court yet this year. You have to be positive on this team, even though knowing it's Sills last year and you won't get to see the pairing of Fee and Sill for a whole season. But Minnesota on the stock up. Uh, any thoughts on Minnesota? A lot of thoughts on Minnesota. I, I, yeah, everything you said is is on point. It was so fun watching them yesterday. There, there was a possession. What, what did they do yesterday, Owen? You know, they just they they just played the Las Vegas Aces. Nothing particular particularly notable about the game. A, a casual thirty-one point drubbing of, of annoyingly the, not annoyingly not thirty-two for Rebecca Brunson's uh, jersey retirement, but Ariel Powers <laughs> did score thirty-two, and supposedly before the game, she went to Brunson and said, "I'm scoring thirty-two for you." Stop it! Oh, that's amazing. I love it. I really love it. Like this this team is full of players that have gotten a lot of heat. And I feel like an apology is in order for me because when Mo Jeff was on Dallas, 
you know, Ty Harris is one of my favorite players and, and Dallas has a lot of players I really like. And it wasn't anything against Mo Jeff, but, but I definitely wrote, you know, maybe a couple times uh, kind of questioning why Mariah Jefferson was getting these, these starting minutes. And, and I was completely wrong. I was pointing the blame on, on the player when the blame is clearly on, on one of the most dysfunctional franchises in this league. Side you know, note, it, side note, Owen, I, I just need to bring it up. Mojeff dropped a triple double on the Dallas wings the other night. And yep. the funny part is the Dallas wings are playing, are paying. Is it double or triple what she's getting from Minnesota? Yeah. So yeah. literally the Dallas wings just paid her to just, you know, broom them out the court. It oh, was hilarious. It was no, that triple double was like one of the coolest moments of the season. It was really awesome. And, and there was a possession last night. I can't remember if this was the same possession, but I think it was that, that when you watch four games in a day, it, it, it tends to blur together a little bit, but uh, I, I, I think I have this right where, you know, there was a possession and, and we were talking about this a little bit before the pod where, you know, Minnesota just eviscerated Vegas on the boards last night. There was a possession where Minnesota just couldn't get a couple of bunnies to fall. They had some really good looks. Sill had a good look at the rim. They kept missing. They kept getting the offensive rebounds, you know, maybe three or four on the same possession. Finally, it goes out to Mo Jeff. And I hope I'm not conflating possessions where this was something else, but I really think this was the same one. Mo Jeff gets the ball, gets to her spot where she just loves, you know, to operate in the mid range uh, on the left side of the court and hits. I forget who it was. I'll have to go back and watch. She hits someone with like a mean step back mid range jumper, hits it, and then is just talking trash, you know, just talking, talking her, her stuff, uh, you know, on the way back down the court. And I just loved it. It was just like, she's just playing with so much confidence. They were talking on the broadcast about how Rachel Bannum's just been hyping her up saying, no, this is your team. This is, this is your moment. Like you, you are this good. This is who you are. And it's just awesome for a player who's really struggled to find her groove in this league to to just be able to come into a new team where a lot of players come into a new situation are kind of apprehensive or a little passive and and don't really find find their their groove immediately. And it just couldn't be more of an opposite situation where it's just like she has come in and completely turned this team around. It's it's been absolutely amazing and so fun to watch. Just a couple quick other asides here. Uh, you know, Demiris Dantas being back really in, in the mm -hmm. same way that we talk about, uh, you know, maybe Erica Wheeler coming back from injury with Atlanta. There's there's so much of the WNBA regular season that's just about getting your players back. And Dantas coming back just gives Cheryl Reeve another super reliable two-way player to, to insert into the lineup. And then just, you know, to, to close out here, because um, I am known as the stats guy occasionally, offensive ratings, top offensive ratings in the league this season, number one, Las Vegas, number two, Chicago, number three, Connecticut, number four, Minnesota. For them to be a top four offense after the way this season started is fairly remarkable. And as you said, Nafisa Collier, the future of this franchise you know, has not played. So all things considered, the fact that they're, you know, inserting themselves back into the, the playoff conversation is, uh, is, is pretty amazing. Because Miles brought it up, I'm just going to drop a few other stats here. Rebounds per game, Minnesota's leading. Assists per game, Minnesota's number three somehow with the Washington Mystics. I mean, they're tied with the Washington Mystics, but they have Natasha Cloud and 
Minnesota does not. The the interesting thing, not to to harp too much on that one game, um, one hundred two to seventy one final score, but twenty five to fifty three in the rebound department and fifteen to one in the offensive rebound department for Minnesota, obviously in favor of both of those. Um, just it was a it was a shellacking, isn't even 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 the thing. Um, I want to remind you, folks, for those that don't know. Everybody here at Winsider, we've been hosting some WNBA watch parties using a cool new platform called Playback. We're all able to watch together, so there's no spoilers. We've been doing fun giveaways of vintage WNBA jerseys. In fact, I just got a couple more in the mail today uh, that we got to send out. Posters and WNBA top shots. It's free to sign up and really just takes two minutes. So you're not watching. You're losing a chance to win free WNBA merch. We're going to be start doing them every week on Wednesdays. So hashtag watch with Winsider and hashtag Winsider Wednesdays. Please join us. It's fun. I enjoy it. You get some cool insight from the the Winsider team. Uh, we bring on some cool guests. We brought on uh, Crystal Thomas the other day. And uh, yeah, had a great time. Down teams. You want to go first or should I go first? Don? I'll, uh, I'll go first. Why not? So my down team, this is a team that has just been on the roller coaster of the, the stock watch meter, if you will, this season, where, you know, a few weeks ago, as you mentioned at the top here, we were talking about them as a stock up. They couldn't have been hotter. The New York Liberty uh, were just seemed to have everything, everything going uh, their way. And the, you know, the addition, again, as we say, so much of this regular season, whether it be virtue by virtue of injury or the overseas season extending into the W schedule, you know, so much of the regular season is just about having your full roster and having people clicking. And Marine Johannes really uh, turned this Liberty season around, as did Crystal Dangerfield, frankly. You know, she was actually the one that, that kind of started it taking a, um, some serious, you know, uh, serious responsibility from from Sabrina and just kind of making things a little bit easier for everyone. So they, they were rolling. And, and it's not panic time yet at all. Um, but, you know, as I was as I was talking about in the Atlanta segment, when you are playing teams that are kind of in your range in the standings and you've got playoff spots six seven and eight entirely up for grabs where it really these teams are separated by a few games and tiebreakers are going to come into to to play potentially you need to win the games especially when you're at home you need to win the games against the teams in your range and new york just suffered back-to-back losses against teams who they will be directly competing with in the playoff picture uh, they lose to the Dream in devastating fashion on Thursday night. They lose to Los Angeles in Los Angeles yesterday, and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're back to questioning this team. And and it's just they they the minute that they start to to really make us believe is the minute where once again they falter and start to resort back to some of the things that plagued them early in the season. You know, Thursday night, I do give them credit. Atlanta was in control that entire game, up double digits, and New York comes roaring back. Dee Dee Richards comes in and just gives a, a huge spark, hits a three, uh, was playing exceptional defense. Uh, they they take a six point lead with maybe three minutes to go. And and then they and then they they sort of blew it. I hate to put it in those terms, but I mean, 
the a complete bungling of a late game scenario where they're up three with seven seconds left. They don't foul. And not only do they not foul when they had plenty of opportunity to foul, but they really fall for like basketball's version of a trick play, if you will. Erica Wheeler basically duped New York into falling asleep. Sammy Whitcomb is guarding her at the top of the key. Five seconds left, four seconds left. Wheeler's not moving. No one on the court on Atlanta is moving. And you're going, to, are they aware? They need a three. Time's about to expire. No one's moving. And for some perplexing reason, Sammy, who's awesome, I love Sammy Wickham, she, she's giving Erica Wheeler, who's an extremely capable three-point shooter, she's giving her space. She's not only not fouling, but she's giving her space. And with two seconds left, Wheeler hits her with a little crossover, knocks down the three. Atlanta just was so confident and felt it felt like there was no chance New York was going to compete in that overtime. And of course, they didn't. Um and then, and then yesterday against the Sparks, you know, Rebecca Allen, who just had come back from concussion protocols, just such an unfortunate and really, it, it just, it stunk to watch. It was, it was a real bummer. She just gets a, a, a hit in the face and once again has to leave. And so again, this is a team that's playing with, you know, not a full roster of 12 players, you know, oftentimes, most of the time, really playing with like nine players. And so they're a little tired. They're a little overextended and they just dropped two games uh, that really would have helped in the playoff picture. And this is kind of interesting. If you look at it, going, going back to my old trusty advanced stats here, uh, net rating, New York is in the exact same place they were last season. So one of the things I was writing about a lot um, in the preseason entering this regular season was that New York really overachieved last year. They made the playoffs. They were the eight seed, I believe, seven or eight, I think eight. Um, but they were 11th in net rating. And so really what happened was they won a lot of close games and and snuck into the playoffs. And that is exactly what is happening this season. They are once again 11th in the league in net rating. Only team who's been worse is Indiana. And Indiana is so far in the cellar, it's not even remotely close. But New York, once again, finds itself kind of at the bottom of the advanced stats ladder, uh, 10th in offense. They've, they've risen up to 7th in defense. But this is a team that, that once again, is, is kind of near the bottom. And it's just like, all right, how long is this, you know, quote unquote, rebuild going to last? Because at this point, they got a lot of players. Obviously, Benaj Laney, uh is a major, major absence. But they have a lot of really capable, really good WNBA players on this team. And it just seems like whenever they finally start to, to put things together, something happens and they, they kind of take a step back. Well, well, I'll start by saying the way last year when they cheated their way into the playoffs. No, <laughs> <laughs> I had to make it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I'll sum it up. I'll be quick with the Liberty because I think it's it's pretty simple. They have a lot of talent. They have the talent to win games but they don't have that I don't want to say basketball intelligence because that just sounds so jerkish and rude but like in late game situation I mean they're giving up winnable games like you said they were up six with like I think it was like 222 left or something I remember looking and it was a six point game and and you just need to win those games and and that is such a demoralizing, heartbreaking, just gut punch when you lose those games. Um, and they've lost a couple of them. 
And I understand that like the mindset of the organization is it's okay. If we're not that good this year, we can have one or two more bad seasons. Um, we're in this for the long haul, blah, blah, blah. I get that. End of the day. I don't care who you are, or what you are. It's disappointing when you're losing a game that you were up six with under three minutes left in the game. Like that, that's just, and, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bring stats or anything else into it. I'm not even going to look at their schedule. I'm just going to say that in the last like handful of Liberty games that I've watched, I've seen them blow winnable games. I've seen them take opportunities and make foolish errors. Like you were talking about with letting Erica Wheeler just, you know, prance mosey, whatever you want to say up the court and just hit a three in your face. And what you knew when that shot went down, like we talk about this, overtime is just a, a, is is so short that it almost always feels like whoever goes on like that run first is winning and the other team just won't have enough time to come back and when she hit that shot I think everybody was sitting there like it's gonna be a long five minutes for the New York Liberty um so yeah I mean I I, I think the Liberty have the tools it's about you know, guiding it and it's about using it in the right way. And, and honestly, like they're a team that I'm going to start looking more closely at because my question now is, is this player errors or is this coming from higher up like the coaching? Um, and look, I'll, I'll be blunt. I love Sandy Brondello. I think she's an amazing person. Love chatting basketball with her, love interviewing her. One of my favorite coaches to interview, but I had similar questions uh, when we were talking about the Phoenix Mercury. Now, obviously, Dan Trossi, Brittany Griner, and a bunch of other superstars is completely different situation than we have in New York right now. Um, but to that same degree, like there's still, you have to question not only the players, but the coaching staff. Also my down team um, kind of part of the reason I went long on the Minnesota thing was my down team are the aces. I mean, they're yes, they're on a one game losing streak. Um, so not don't panic. It's not like they're, they're just, you know, dropping off the face of this planet. Um, but they're getting everyone's best game, similar to what you saw in, you know, Seattle over the past few years, similar to what you saw in Washington or Minnesota or the LA Sparks. Um, Chicago Sky have kind of been been lucky that they made that that playoff push um, at a, as a 16 and 16 team, because I feel like they didn't necessarily get the respect of a champion um, as as the respect of how dominant of a team they are with Las Vegas aces were so smooth, cohesive and ready for the season from day one. We were seeing, you know, uh, I'm having flashbacks to last year's Connecticut sun team, except this team's faltering before the playoffs even started. Um, you know, th they've started to drop off in every stat. And I think teams are starting to kind of pick up on the fact that like, yes, Asia Wilson does everything this team needs to win. But if Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum aren't hitting their shots, if Chelsea Gray isn't hitting big threes, if Raquana Williams isn't hitting big threes, you know, you can kind of put Asia on an island and say, Asia, are you going to score 50 points to carry your team? Right? Because I think a mindset that I've kind of seen is, is coaches go, okay, yes, we're obviously going to game plan for Asia because we'd be idiots not to. But at the same respect, we also understand it's a five-person game. And... If 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 their guards aren't hitting shots, at least that's what I saw in Minnesota. And then and you have it, uh, uh, the ability to get the rebounds, uh, you know, versus Hamby versus Asia, then this is a team that, you know, is meant to shoot the three. They're a team that's 
meant to let it fly and run it and gun it. And it just seems like teams are slowly getting to their form where the aces were already in it, where the aces are getting the best game from everybody. And look, this this regular season is probably the best thing that can happen to the aces in the sense of they've tasted the glory of being that top dog. Now they've they've shrunk down and they're kind of tasting defeat over and over. And I think that can only help them in the playoffs. But my big questions still stand. The depth of this team is crap. And we haven't seen anything to address that. Yes, Raquan is here. Um, yes, uh, Rupert is here also. But like, or sorry, I didn't say it with a French accent. But we're not seeing enough from this bench that tells me, hey, we can hold it down to give these players. And I know you're going to run down on some of the minutes and everything. But for me, it's like, it's not just about the minutes. It's the reason why you're not putting starters on the bench is because you don't have faith. You can't trust your depth. I mean, we saw what happened when they played uh, the bench. Yes, it was already a blowout, but then the blowout just kept growing. Minnesota bench versus Vegas bench. Uh, I'm just worried about Vegas. They're my down team. I could go on for a while. Three and four in the last seven games. Uh, and some of those, honestly, they were real close games that, you know, could have gone either way. Sorry, Owen, go. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that the interesting thing here, I don't really have a ton fresh to say because we've been saying it throughout the course of the season, kind of even when they were rolling. The, you know, the starting lineup here, I don't think any member is to blame. They're all having career years, really. Um, I mean, Asia's had a, a number of career years in her, se- in, her uh, in her career, but the backcourt, Kelsey and Jackie, are, uh, are having career years, and Dierica is. And, and Chelsea Gray is having, you know, just a classic, awesome Chelsea Gray season. You know, this starting lineup has played 377 minutes together this year, a staggering number. And their net rating is, is you know, 10.1 plus 10.1 points per 100 possessions, which, you know, would be the best team in the league. So it's like when the five starters are in, they're the best team in the league. But the problem is that you can't play all five starters 40 minutes a game. And you certainly can't do that in the regular season. I think that the the backcourt's man- minutes have been more manageable because they at least have a couple players that you can kind of insert in there, and um, and, and and it's not great, but at least it's it's some playable WNBA players. But Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young are playing the two most minutes uh, per game of anyone in the entire league, and you just gotta you gotta worry and kind of wonder whether it's worth it to, to do that in the regular season versus, you know, the format that Chicago laid out last year, which is, Hey, we just need to make the, this thing. And then once we're in, that's when we kind of go full tilt. So um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think it's definitely cause for concern here. I think what strikes me watching this team right now is it's one of those things where when they're rolling, everyone was in love with Becky's system because it gives the players so much autonomy and so much freedom to just operate and be their fullest selves. And that is exactly what you want is players feeling comfortable to just pull up when they're open and shoot the ball. The problem is that when things start to spiral a little bit, it starts to look really sloppy, right? Where you have Kelsey Plum maybe taking you know, too many shots that that may be ill-advised early in the shot clock. Uh, I've seen on Twitter a little bit the, the gripe recently, do the Aces even run any plays? And it's it's a it's a fair concern because the spacing is 
infinitely better this year than it was under Lambeer. And, you know, the, the ways in which they're getting into offense are so much better and more modern. Um, but it is a fair question to wonder if, you know, sometimes it just feels a little too up and down and a little too free, if you will. Not that anything can be too free on the basketball court, but sometimes it it does look as it kind of did last night. And granted, I think it was mostly due to fatigue, but it was like they were in Minnesota. They, they didn't have to travel for this game. It was it was two games in the same spot. And, and it just looked a little bit like they'd run up the court and kind of just chuck at the first semi-open opportunity. And when the, those shots aren't falling, it really begs the question, like, is this sustainable? And is this the, the method that you want to, to go by going forward? Um, they've fallen out of the top spot in net rating. They're down to number three now behind Connecticut and Chicago. Falling out of the top spot in the in the standings also for the first time this season. Also falling out of the top spot in the standings. And that's what really war- concerns you is, okay, if, if, you're, if you're playing uh, Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum 35 out of every 40 minutes, you want to get the top seed. Now, granted, we don't have the top two seeds getting buys this year. So really the goal is to stay out of that four or five matchup because, you know, the top five is tough. So you don't want to play Washington or Seattle in the first round or whoever. Uh, you want someone from the middle tier. So they really just need to stay in the top three, I, I, I would venture to say. But even still, like you want home court. You, you want to be you know, playing on your home court as much as possible if you're in a best of five with Connecticut or Chicago in the playoffs. And uh, and right now it just seems like they've got kind of the worst of both worlds. Now, granted, it's really not it's really not that drastic. They're going to be fine. They're going to be a championship contender, no doubt about it. Um, but there there is just, you know, slight cause for concern. And it's just it's we're broken records at this point. But it's the same thing we've said. It's like, hey, when you don't have anyone making decisions in the front office, when you have kind of a a, a dearth of a GM, if you will, uh, for a few weeks in the key moments in the off season, and then you come away with with really no bench, um, you know, you gotta you gotta wonder if if they're squandering a a major chance here with an exceptional starting five of of making it all the way. Yeah, I, I second everything. Second and third, everything you said. Uh, want to say before we do stock watch, free, excuse me, free Brittany Griner, because we haven't said that yet this episode because we haven't talked about the Mercury, but free Brittany Griner. We'll say it every episode. It's been almost 140 days since she's been wrongfully detained in Russia. Free her. Uh, my stock watch team, Connecticut Sun. You know, a, a team that coming in. Yes, I know. Uh, they lost January this off season, which was going to impact their defense. Yes, I know. Uh, Jazz Thomas goes down with a season-ending injury. This is even before that. This was not the Connecticut Sun defensive team that we've seen over the past years. Now, I know Owen and probably most people are saying, "What are you talking about? They held the Washington Mystics to 17 points in the second half last last game, um, forced the game to overtime." Yeah, I'm aware of that. I still stand by what I said. The Washington Mystics go on cold spells. That, that's not shocking to me uh, to to happen. Um, what what is shocking to me is that this Connecticut Sun team, in my opinion at least, with a team that probably has up there as the most, um, you know, la- I'm blanking on the word, lack of turnover. Um, and this team knows each other. This team's been together forever. And I know this has kind of been the narrative of like it's now or never, but I just feel like 
we're at a situation where it's now or never. This team really needs to to kick itself into higher gear. I know they're still in the top four, top five, or top three even in most of the team's statistical categories, but this team seriously scares me. They're extremely close to being my down team this year or this week, um, even though they're my preseason pick to win the finals. Uh, Owen, you're, who's your stock watch? Just a, a brief word. I know we're running long, but you know what? It's it's just one of those episodes. Got to do it. A lot to talk about, but a brief word on Connecticut. It's funny because it's like we're seeing kind of the exact same thing that happened last year. Now, obviously, uh, Alyssa Thomas did not play last regular season, but Connecticut has the best net rating in the league right now. You know, the advanced stats say they are still the elite, um, and yet the same concerns are there that were there uh, in the playoffs last year, which is, you know, in watching that game down the stretch yesterday, which was just an awesome game against Washington, um, which Connecticut wins by two in overtime, it was the same thing. The defense is absolutely stifling when it matters. The offense begs the question, if John Quell Jones is not getting enough touches down the stretch and does not have enough space to operate, <coughs> does something have to change? Because, you gotta you gotta utilize the the MVP as much as you can and put her into situations where she can carry you offensively in the biggest moments. My stock watch throwing you for a little loop this week because guess what? We only got three days of games and only one game tonight. I'm excited to watch them. Stock watch for this week, Team Wilson. I know it's I know it's a glorified <laughs> scrimmage, all right? I know it's I know it's just chucking up threes and this and that. I know it's not serious, but it is All-Star weekend this weekend. It is in Chicago, the home of Candace Parker, the GOAT, the defending champ. Um and and really the reason why I want to watch this, when, when else are we going to get to see Candace Parker, Sylvia Fowles and Asia Wilson on the same team? Like come on. Yeah. Not, to, not to mention that we've got Sloot, you know, also on this team. Like, I just want to see, even if it's kind of in the way that that All-Star games are, super fun and casual and no defense being played, I want to see some crazy Sloot dimes to, like, three absolute legends. And, you know, obviously, I just think it's cool that Candace and Syl are, are on the same team here, given how how much their stories have kind of been intertwined over the years and how they really are just, like, two of the greatest to ever do it. Um, so I'm, I, you know, I'll have fun watching that game. Team Owen, stock watch. Oh, and gun to your head. Who's winning all-star MVP? Ooh, that's a good four, question. Three, ooh, two. Ooh, Candace Parker. Ooh, all right. I'm going, see, I, in my mind, it's Jackie Young or Kelsey Plum. I'm going Kelsey Plum. Okay. I love it. See, that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, a gunner makes a lot of sense. Like Kelsey can just pull up and do crazy things. And plus she's playing with Candace and Sloot, two of the greatest passers ever. So I like that pick. And you know what? Maybe Candace is going to like really take it easy because, you know, she's she's 36 and this game doesn't matter. I just think the narrative, it's like, you know, come on. This is, it's too perfect here. And and she's she's good for an all-star game. I, I want to see some no looks, some behind the backs. I want to see some, you know, vintage one-legged fadeaways. I don't know. I'm I'm going Candace, uh, but I like the plum pick. I'd love to see Jackie win it. Obviously, one of my faves. So can't wait. Well, we'll be back next week with WNBA stocks, where myself, Arya Schwartz, and Owen Pence discuss the market in the W.